I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome, my guest, Anne Hintz. Have you heard of Emotional Freedom Techniques, EFT? I have. And our guest, Anne, is beyond being just an expert. She mastered EFT and has gone to a higher level. She has learned the ability to sense inside her body and release physical tension stored in her connective tissue using solemnly the focus of her mind. This is not just a story about EFT and how it helped Anne. This is a story about a woman who had several traumas and how her perseverance and discipline combined with EFT changed her life and even her bone structure. I am fascinated by Anne's hard work and dedication and I admire her immensely because for me, when I work hard at something and get results, it's that kind of achievement that is sweet and never forgotten. We all want to change or improve, but very few are willing to put the effort towards greatness. Anne never doubted. She wanted a happier life and she did the work. Let's enjoy her story. Welcome, Anne, to the show. I am very happy that you're here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yes, Anne, you have a story to share. Why are you bringing us a story? Because I've developed an ability or abilities that I didn't know were possible before, I want other people to know that we have this incredible power within us to make changes to our physical body because I've changed my skull bones and I had no idea that was possible before. So I want to share how I did that. Yes, I know that you have written a book about it and you also have a video on YouTube. We will put that in the show notes too for people to learn more. When does your story start? Well, it starts probably at birth, possibly even before birth. People won't necessarily understand the connections to the story, but I do. All the trauma that's held in through our life is then something to be released later on. So I was adopted. So that's a big part of my story. I was actually born with my right foot up against my right shin. So the first six weeks of my life, I actually had physical therapy. And then I was handed over for adoption. And at the moment of being handed over for adoption, my birth mother was actually handed the wrong adoption papers. For an instant, she saw my dad's last name or my adopted dad's last name and the village that we lived in. She happened to know that that was a very small village and it only had one big employer. And she happened to have a cousin who worked for the same company. So she actually got hold of the company magazine and found out my dad did uh, work for that company. And she actually followed us around the world because we lived in many different countries. She followed us around the world through her cousin's company magazine. I'll go back to the, the beginning of the story. So I was actually adopted into a family that had just suffered a trauma because they had my brother, though they had a, adopted a boy earlier who is now two. And then they adopted another little girl and they had her for six months. And in England at the time, I don't know if it's a change right now, but at the time the birth mother could change her mind up to six months. And this mother did. She changed her mind and she took this little girl back again. 
And I was the replacement into the family for that little girl. So my parents had to go through the first six months all over again, but this time with a different child. And that was me. Wow. So obviously they would be a little nervous, right? Is this birth mother going to change her mind as well? So they wouldn't necessarily connect with me as well as they might have done. Right. Of course. Yes. Ouch. So they waited the six months. And at the end of six months, when my birth mother did not change her mind, we actually moved to our first country. We moved to Barbados. And then from there, we moved to Sierra Leone in West Africa. When we were in West Africa, we actually had a house fire. I was the one who saw the flames in the morning, us coming through the wall and alerted people. So that was another trauma that I held inside. And then, then we moved to Hong Kong. I enjoyed Hong Kong. It was fun. I loved the food. <laughs> but at the age of nine, I was sent to boarding school in England. And I was sent to my brother's boarding school because he was already there. And it was a boys boarding school. So I was the first girl boarder at a boys boarding school. There were some girls during the day, girl boarders, but then they went home at night. My dormitory was in sickbay. Wow. That's just too... <laughs> Why did they send you to uh, their school? Couldn't they not pick a girl's school? Was it more convenient or what? It was probably more convenient. Yes. I don't really know the reason why, because there were definitely were girls boarding schools in the area that I was sent to. I think it was just convenience. And maybe they thought I'd be more comfortable if my brother was there. Although we didn't really get along, we were totally different. That was another traumatic time because I was teased horrifically for two years at that school. Because you were a girl or because you were different? I was a girl. I was different. My teeth were really bad. I was an easy person to pick on. So they did. Yes. And why were your parents traveling so much? My dad worked for a company called Cable and Wireless. They did international uh, telecommunication systems, those old satellites that they used to have on the ground. And if I understood this clearly, so your your birth mom followed you through the magazine of this company where your father worked? Yes, yes. After she'd given me up, she got married. She had two other children, but she kept in touch with where I was. She knew I wa- where I was. And actually, in, when I, we were living in Hong Kong. She actually traveled to Hong Kong with her family because she knew I was there. And they actually went swimming at the YMCA swimming pool. And I used to go to that swimming pool every week. So when I found that out, it was just amazing. Yes. All right. So continue. So you went to this not so nice school where you would tease for, I don't know, how many years. And then? Then I was sent to a girls' boarding school. Our family moved to Bahrain, so I would go back there on vacations. And then we moved back to England. And during my teenage years, both parents became alcoholics. My dad always had anger issues. That was always part of the picture. I was used to walking on eggshells. I kind of shut down because my opinion never mattered and my opinion was never right, even if I shared it. So there was no point sharing it. I kind of stopped talking quite a bit. Plus in my early years, my dad had teased my voice. So yes, I kind of shut myself off a bit. And then when I was 19, I woke up one morning and found my mother dead in the bathroom. She had had cancer, um, but some tumor had kind of burst in her throat overnight. And so that was kind of a big trauma. And I just used it. I just did the same thing that I'd always done. And I I didn't know there was anything else to do. So I just continued with life. I just held it all in and just kept on going with life. I moved out to the States when I was 21, got married, had kids. Um, I was a software engineer. And then it was in 
my late 30s, I had like almost like a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at school. They thought I'd done something wrong. I didn't think I'd done anything wrong, but my mind started spinning out of control. It just kept going over and over and over what had happened. And I couldn't let it go. I couldn't sleep for days. And that's when I realized, well, maybe there's something from my childhood that I haven't dealt with yet and that I need to look at. It felt a little bit like how I would react when my dad would shout at me or said I'd done something wrong and I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. So that was kind of the connection there. But I didn't do anything at that point. I didn't really know what to do. But it was in that time frame, I went to a doctor's appointment and he was a holistic physician. He recognized that I was more stressed than I should have been because I was a stay-at-home mom with two beautiful young boys and everything should have been fine. But he saw in me that I was stressed and he asked me on a scale of zero through 10 how stressed I was. And I said eight. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize, oh, it was finding my mother, which at this point was almost 20 years earlier, because the tears were still just under the surface. He used this technique with me that's called EFT, short for emotional freedom technique. It's also called tapping. So he tapped with me for about 15 minutes about my mother's death, about finding her. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story in my mind without the tears there anymore, without the emotions. And for me, that was huge because I realized at that point that we just hold those emotions physically in our body and we can let them go. And there's a huge difference between one and the other. When you say that he tapped you, where did he tap you? Right. He didn't tap. He tapped himself and I tapped myself. It's almost like acupressure. It's a little bit like acupressure. So we're tapping on our body in certain specific places, which are the ends of meridian systems. We're tapping on our body as we're bringing an emotion or memory that has emotions with it to mind. And the tapping process allows the energy to release from the body. So it's not just one spot. You you go around while you're thinking about the same subject. Right. Yeah. So there's about 10 different places. So the, the karate chop point on the side of the hands, the crown point on the top of the head, then the beginning of the eyebrow, the edge of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, on the chin, on the collarbone and under the arm. So that's the places we normally use. And you just tap around and around and around. You take a deep breath in between. As you do that, the body releases the energy, the stuck energy from the nervous system. Do they know why? I'm not sure they really do know why. They know it happens for sure. I mean, they've had studies about it, but I'm not entirely sure they know exactly the process. I know that it's releasing tension from in the connective tissue now, just from where I've got to. But I just, I still at this point don't know exactly how it's doing it. Interesting. Okay, so then what happened? You you came out of that session thinking, okay, now I, I'm not sad. Oh, I'm not traumatized about seeing my mom. Right. I went home. I wanted to know more about the technique. So I looked it up. It was given away by the person who developed it for free, Gary Craig. So you can find it online. There's thousands of videos. I learned exactly how to do it. It's really easy to learn. It's very simple. But I wanted to make sure that that one session was not a fluke. It just wasn't a one-off. So I wanted to try it out on something. And at the time, I had a 17-year-old cat at home. And he needed to have a daily saline shot because his kidneys were starting to fail. So the first time I gave him a shot, my hand was shaking so much because I was so afraid of giving him the shot and so afraid of hurting him. 
So I used this as a test case. I tapped using this technique called EFT. I tapped about my fear of hurting the cat, about my hand shaking, and about all the memories I had from injections because I'd had many because we'd lived so many different places. And the next day, the needle just slid right in. There was absolutely no fear left inside of me. My hand was totally calm. And that's when I realized the power of EFT, that it's deceptively powerful. It doesn't really look like it's doing much, but I realized it was so powerful. And I realized that freedom was on the other side of the fear, the other side of the emotions. And I wanted to get to that place. And when you were doing the EFT, how long do you do it for? Well, it depends on how many aspects there are to whatever it is we're working on and how intense the feelings are. I don't remember. It was probably about half an hour I worked on that one particular issue. And you just find more aspects to it, right? And as you do more of it, your memories open up, the subconscious mind opens up and you become aware of more aspects to anything you're working on. So with my mother's death, I didn't just work on it that one time at the doctor's. That really took the first layer of emotions. It, it let go of those. But then like the next day or over the next period of days, more details of the story would come to mind because they were all stuck inside of me, right? But I had these emotions covering them up. I couldn't see them all. So as you let go of one level of emotion, then another memory or another aspect of the story would come to mind, So it actually took several, quite a few more times working on different parts of my mother's story before it became just words, right? Now it's just a story to me. There's no emotions left in it. And that's the goal because when there's no emotions left in it, it's no longer affecting us. So now you can tell the story of your mom as a third person. Right. It, it, right. It's not emotional to me at all. I mean, sometimes the people I'm telling the story to will be emotional about it because it's triggering something in them. But in me, it's just oh, a story. Oh, interesting. That's true, right? Even maybe when you watch a movie and, and you start thinking, oh my God, how emotional it's because it's triggering something. Okay. Very clever. Yes. Something to reflect. Thanks. <laughs> So I started using EFT every day. I started noticing when I was becoming emotional during the day. And that in itself is not an easy step, right? Because we tend to get caught up in our emotions. I would catch myself becoming emotional and then I would tap about it. And I could tell that it was making a difference and I wanted more. So what I did is I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from my whole life up to that point, especially my childhood. And I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half on one issue, one memory or one trauma each night until I'd gone through the whole list. And I found my mind becoming quiet and I was becoming peaceful and I was becoming less reactionary. And it was so nice. Wow. I'm speechless. I, I want to talk about your personality too, because I think people will say, oh, that was nice. Oh, it works. And then they forget about it. But you were really persevering on these issues. Like, okay, this works and I want to get rid of all the garbage in my head and my emotions. And I'm going to work really hard. This is like somebody wants to get muscles and goes to the gym every day now. Right. I was determined to change. I was living in fear. I was always afraid. I was very reactionary. What what you might call highly strung. I never felt I was a calm, peaceful mother. And I really wanted to be a calm, peaceful mother for my boys. I wanted them to have a different experience than I was 
giving them at the present moment. I wanted to change. So yes, I was determined. Wow. And your boys were at what age at the time? They were about probably two and six, maybe when I went to that first doctor's appointment. Good. good. And you never went to see him again? Well, he was our family doctor, but I never tapped with him again. No. In fact, I don't even think that he thinks it's as powerful as I know it is. So you never went back to let him know? Oh, yes, I've let him know. Okay. <laughs> so now he knows that he's powerful. But you know, one of the things that I've realized over time is that I think the more trauma we have in childhood, the greater our capacity for spiritual growth. So I'm not sure that someone who's not had a lot of trauma would be as dedicated to making a change because things aren't as bad for them. They haven't been to one extreme. Yes, you're right. And then, you know, those people don't remember anything about their childhood. Well, I was one of them, right? Yes, I was like that. I did not remember a lot of my childhood. So as I wrote down my list of everything from childhood, as I would tap on one thing, other memories would come up and I would add to the list because it's stored in our subconscious mind. We've just pushed it down. And how long was your list? It was like three <laughs> or four pages. <laughs> okay, wow. So this process lasts you three or four pages, I don't know, times a day, so a month, two months? Right. It was a few months, yes. And and I at the end, I remember actually opening my kitchen door one day and actually saying to myself, it feels like I'm living in a different reality because my mind was so quiet, right? All those voices, I mean, it was, you know, it was me talking to myself in my mind, right? But the words I had been using before, I realized they were no longer there. They weren't talking to me all the time. And I realized that those words had been my dad's words that I had programmed into myself. And I just repeated them over and over. I would criticize myself. I would judge other people, but they were they were no longer there and it was different and it was quiet. Mm, how beautiful. Yeah. So I actually wanted more. <laughs> I kept going. So I realized that this whole process is opening up the subconscious mind and it's expanding the awareness. So, you know, like we just talked about of not being able to remember our childhood, that's because we've got so much resistance to us. And this whole process is actually releasing the resistance so we're able to get closer and closer to the body. So as I started doing it, I started to become aware of my emotions. And as I did it more and more, I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions, right? Because we use the words for emotions. So we'll use like sad, I'm sad, or I'm frustrated, or I'm angry. But what we're really describing is a set of physical sensations. So if we're angry, we might be holding tension in our chest and maybe in our fists and our jaw. That is then what we describe with the word anger. So this is reversing that dissociation almost. So instead of using the words, I'm angry, I could tap on the words, I'm angry. Now I'm actually noticing the sensations in my body. So I might be holding tension in my chest. I then wanted to feel the tension in my chest rather than do the tapping with EFT. So this is a deeper level of awareness. So then I would feel, for me, I worked mostly on fear and I could feel fear mostly in my solar plexus and my stomach. So then I would hold my awareness on this fear, the tension in my solar plexus on the stomach. And this tension was so used to being suppressed because I had suppressed it. I had done something to avoid feeling it for decades. So to actually try and feel it and allow that fear to be felt 
was kind of scary. It didn't want to be felt. So I actually found I had to hold myself like a statue. I actually had to stop moving and stop my breath. I had to hold my breath where I was when I was feeling that tension in my stomach. And then I would just focus on that tension. I would just allow it to be felt. It sounds so easy to say it in words, but to actually physically feel it, it just doesn't want to be felt. So I would do it. I would hold my awareness on it for long enough. There would be a shift. I'd have to take a deep breath and then I would do it again. I would think the thought that had fear attached to it, like I'm afraid of this, and feel that tension on the inside. I would do it again and again with the same thought until there was no longer any fear left inside when I thought that thought. So then the thought is free. Sometimes it's difficult. Like, where do you feel it? For me, sometimes, I don't know. I don't think I feel it anywhere. Right, right. And that's how I was at the beginning. I had no idea that there were physical sensations associated with these thoughts or these words. And that's the expansion of the awareness. That's why it's a little hard to tell my story, because I know there'll be a lot of people out there who don't necessarily believe it's true. I'm not sure 10, 15 years ago, I would have believed it was true. But there are, but behind every thought, behind every emotion, there are a set of physical sensations. They are there, whether you're aware of them or not. So once you release enough resistance you actually get to the place where you become aware of them. And then you can work at this level and feel them. What was your profession? A software engineer. A software engineer. And now, and a software engineer, so what are the characteristics of those? That you're always trying to find a solution? What, what, is, what are they? Very logical. Yeah, you work through one step at a time. So that's what I did. I worked through this one step at a time. So I kept doing this. I carry on. I realize there will be people listening who won't necessarily understand it, but it's an interesting story just, just to know that this is possible. That's why I'm sharing my story. So I kept doing this now, instead of doing the tapping with the EFT, I'd now lie on the sofa at night and I would work with more collective traumas because I'd done my childhood. I would bring things like 9-11 to mind, to my body. I would feel all those sensations, all those emotions, because we all have our own individual experience of those traumas. Feel those physical sensations, the emotions, and allow it to dissipate. And then I'd do it again and again and again until 9-11 no longer has those emotions, those triggers inside of me. And I would do that with all the different collective traumas. And I would just work every night on it. And at some point, I realized that I could actually keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had released. And the only way to really explain that, try to explain it at least, is imagine you have a stomachache or a toothache. You can feel where that pain's coming from. You can kind of pinpoint it with your mind. But once the pain has dissipated, once it's gone away, you can't really find that place again with your mind inside because the tension has gone. I could keep my awareness inside my body. This was at the point that I realized I'd never heard anyone else describe this before. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just kind of playing. I was playing. I would see if I could do it again, and I found I could do it again. And then, well, what can I do now that I've got my awareness inside my body? So I would try and move my awareness around. And I realized I could find places that felt like there was tension there. So then I would hold my awareness on the tension for long enough that I would feel a release. And then I would do it again and again and again. So now I'm working at a deeper level than I was with the physical sensations and even deeper than I was with EFT and the tapping. 
just doing the same thing, but now inside the body. So I would do this over and over again. I'd find tension in different places inside my body, focus on it, and it would dissipate. And it took me many, many months, but eventually I could actually put my awareness inside my head. And that was a huge step. I don't know why, but I guess there's a lot of resistance before we can get inside our head. But once I could put my awareness inside my head, there was so much tension and pain inside of my head. Unbelievable amounts of forces pulling my head out of alignment, which I think kind of stems from being born with my right foot up against my right shin. I have scoliosis and I think my whole body was twisted and talked. For 50 years, I had not been aware of this pain and these forces in my head. I just wasn't aware of them. But now I've been shown the pain and the forces. So now I just worked on them the same way, a little bit at a time. I would focus on the tension, hold my awareness there while I could. I could only hold my awareness on the pain in my left cheek for a second or two to begin with. And I would just do it over and over again. And eventually, I actually heard and felt something release. Didn't know what it was. It was a little scary to begin with. Um, I realized now that it was actually an adhesion in the connective tissue that was releasing. I knew kind of I was on a journey at this point, so I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I'm just releasing tension on the inside of my body. There can't really be anything wrong with it. So I just kept doing it. And over time, I could actually feel my bones kind of relax into a different position. And so that's why it was really good last year when I had those x-rays taken because I had comparison ones from 2013, and I can actually see that my eye sockets have aligned, and my jaw, which was way off to the side, is now more centered, and my neck is straighter, and I have grown half an inch as a 55-year-old, which is really fun. I would like to grow a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) But now I know we are incredibly powerful, right? If If we can do this, if we can shift our bones can you imagine what else we can do inside of our bodies? But and who is aware? It's not your mind. So who is doing this awareness? Well, that's the interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because I'm not in I'm not in my thinking mind. I'm in my feeling mind. I'm in my sensing mind. But it's all part of me. What I believe is I, I believe I'm looking from the center of my skull. And I'm sensing through the connective tissue. And I think that is where the soul resides. As I'm releasing these adhesions in the connective tissue, I think I'm freeing up the soul. And I think once the soul is freed up, it will be more comfortable in the body, for one thing. And I think it will tune into spirit or whatever words you want to use more easily. I mean, I see that happening. I see so many fun things happening. So I know that I am more in alignment my physical structure is more aligned than it ever was before. And as a software engineer, or were you holistic? A holistic software engineer? <laughs> no, I was not religious. I was not spiritual. No, I was holistic in the sense that I was always wanting to find natural ways of doing things, eating natural foods, all of those types of things. Yes, yes. But yes, I did not understand this concept of soul, spirit, I didn't understand any of this. I, it's just been an expansion of awareness. And now I am so much more aware of everything <laughs> than I was before. Took you how many years to, to get into this level? About 18 or so, I think, something like that. Wow. Yeah, I started in my late 30s and I'm 55 now. Wow. Okay. 
What about your family? What were they thinking? Seeing you doing every night, all these tapping. <laughs> yeah, I think they all think I'm weird and, you know, that's okay. But they experience a de very different me than they did before because I am now peaceful on the inside. I have peace around me on the outside. Everything in my family is more peaceful than it ever was. Mm -hmm. And so does, does your husband say, oh, I, I want to learn too? What, what happened? <laughs> no, my husband is not at all interested in any of this, but he also had a really happy childhood. Ah. He didn't experience any of this trauma that I did. So the desire is not there. I see. I see. And what about your kids? Did you teach them how to do these with situations that were occurring during their time growing up? Um, I used EFT with them. My younger son used to have nightmares. So I would go up and tap on him. I didn't need to use any words because he was already feeling the feelings of whatever it was he'd experienced in his nightmare. And so I would just gently tap on him until he relaxed and he would just say to me, okay, I can go back to sleep, mom. And then he would. <laughs> they don't necessarily use it themselves. They know it's available to them and they may one day down the road. But part of this process is accepting our truth. It's accepting things exactly as they are. So letting go of the resistance that we feel. So I did that at a deeper and a deeper level. But in terms of family, if I want someone else to change, that's resistance inside of me. So I have to allow whatever they want to do to be okay inside of me. Yeah. So if they don't want to do it, I need to find a way to allow myself to be okay with that and let go of the resistance that I have because I want them to change. Going back to that issue that you had with the mothers in the school, how would you have handled it now? <laughs> I actually had a very similar experience recently, like a few months ago, where um, it, she was a friend and she tried to tell me that I had done something wrong. No, I, I'm sorry. I was absolutely supposed to do what I did. I did that and it was the right thing to do. I handled it very differently. I was totally confident and knew that it was the right thing to do. So, and one of the really fun things for me about the x-rays, so not the x-rays that I show mostly, which are from the front, which just showed these changes to my skull. It's on my YouTube channel. I have that one video about my x-rays. When you look at it from the side, the x-ray from 2013, it's not a confident looking person at all. You can see that in the stance of the skull x-ray, you can see that. And then when you look at the one from last year, that is a much more confident looking person. And you can see from the skull, those changes, right? Those changes in my posture from the release of tension in the connective tissue through releasing all the traumas, that has changed my whole being to be a more positive and more confident looking person. Interesting. Yes, I saw them. This drew. Yeah. And I would have loved to have known that 30 years ago. Oh, you can actually become a more confident person because I was not a confident person. I would have loved to have known that. Yes, but you were ready when you were ready. So perhaps then Absolutely. you wouldn't have had the time or <laughs> the willingness or anything. So sometimes yes, things come yes. when we're supposed to. And I know we tend to say, if I would have known this 20 years ago. Yep, yep. And so on, I'm sure that situations comes that still could give you some trauma from time to time. Mm-hmm. 
and I go out looking for them. I watch the news now because I want to find things that trigger me so I can actually find a deeper level of awareness. Fascinating. I try not to watch any news or movies that actually will make me any kind of feeling. So I should go for it. I don't know. Well, I did that for a long time. For a long time, I did not watch them. I got to the place where I had cleaned out enough trauma inside of me that I was ready to take on something more. I started watching. Plus, I have a 19-year-old who does mountain biking, and I go and watch his races. And that is, <laughs> that's good work. <laughs> the fear that that comes up in when I watch those is, uh, is something that I work with. Yes, that's true. That's true. Well, this is super interesting. Maybe we want to know about what happened to your birth mom who was following you. Oh, that's right. Yes. When I was 17, I was actually only told that I was adopted when I was 13 and my brother was 15. When I was 17, she wrote a letter to my parents because she knew where we were and she wanted me to meet her parents before they passed on. I went to meet her. I looked like her. She had hair like mine. We wore the same colors that day, which was pretty amazing. Then my mother died when I was 19. So it's like I had two years of overlap. And then I went back to my birth mother. That was pretty wild. And then just this last year, through Ancestry, I managed to find out about my birth father. And I found out he died in 2013. And he had a daughter. I found her online just about six, eight weeks ago. And we've been getting to know each other through email, which is so fun. Oh, wow. Does she look like you too, a bit? A little bit. She's way taller than I am, though. So it'd be nice to grow (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's wonderful. So now you have more family. I do, yes. So my birth mother lives in New Zealand and my half-sister lives in New Zealand. And my father was an opal miner in Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. Wow. And you are? I was born in England. Yes. And I live in California. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, we're still a distance. Right. All over the world. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. That's fascinating. I'm excited that your mom follow you, your birth mom. It is beautiful that you got together again. Yeah. And it must have been nice for her to know where we were. And have you shared with her all your knowledge about EFT? Yes, yes. She's she's done some tapping too. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually writing a book, her, her own book about all her journeys up to the point of my birth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Great. So maybe we should have her in the podcast. <laughs> yes, maybe. Let her know. That's true. If she wants to share her story, we will be happy to do that. Yeah, that would be really interesting to hear her perspective on things too. Yes, That's true. Yeah, we'll let her know. So that's awesome. So what else happened in your story? So you have gotten this far and what is it for you in the future now? Well, both inward and outward. So inward, I'm actually working on releasing the tension in my bones, in my cheekbones, in my tooth roots, in my jaw bones, which believe is subconscious trauma. Earlier on, when I was doing more surface level trauma, then memories would pop into my mind as the tension released. And at this point, that doesn't really happen. But I am definitely moving the bones in my jaw and my face still to this day. I mean, I hope at some point where there is no more tension to release, that would be really nice. I'd like to get to that point. So that's on the inside. On the outside, I'm wanting to share my story. I would love to travel around the world, talking to different groups, showing them how to do this work, demoing how to do this work, because I do believe that we can change the world. I believe that we attract what is inside of us. We attract, we emit that as a signal and we attract it again into our future. 
And if we let go of the trauma that we hold inside of ourselves, I don't believe we will attract it again into our future. I think we can change everything. And so what happened with your friends? Do they see you different now? Do they maybe don't want to hang around with you? They find you strange or? <laughs> yeah, yes, all of the above, right? Some some stayed with me, some moved on. You know, some we have you know, nothing of interest anymore. But there are so many changes that happen along the way. I mean, to me, life is so much more interesting. There's so much more depth to it now than there was before, right? I have this deep level of awareness inside of myself. And I see that in other people. I see that in what's happening around us in the world, right? As we let go of our burden, we become lighter, right? I feel lighter. I don't feel as heavy, right? It's easier to laugh. It's easier to dance. It's easier to smile, just not as tense as I was. Then that is reflected around me too. I've released so much tension in my head and our, our skull is our echo chamber for our voice. So I can sing now. I can sing notes that I couldn't sing before. Like my voice would not go to places before that it will go now. It's fun for me to sing in the shower or sing in the car, whereas before I wouldn't do that. I actually pretty much enjoy all of life. I'm comfortable. I can be at peace wherever I am, which is something that I had never experienced before. I do have friends, but if they're busy or if I'm on my own for days, I'm totally fine doing that. Yes. I don't think EFT can be done in groups. It feels like you, everybody has their own voice that they have to say aloud when they're tapping. Absolutely. You could say that. I actually do have one small group and we meet once a week. I just set the timer on our own things and then we share for eight minutes and then we do another eight minutes. So we are working on our own things just for a certain amount of time. And then we just do it over and over again. So it's just really a fixed period of time that we focus on doing the work, right? Because otherwise we might just go off and do something else and never actually spend the time to focus on it. So that's how I do that group. And anyone could do the same thing. But do you feel like it has to be done consistently? Otherwise it doesn't work. There are a lot of people who will use it just on a daily basis for things that happen during that day right? Just to release that from that day. I wanted more than that, right? I wanted to get deeper. I to me, to get deeper, you do need to do more. You need to work through your traumas from childhood. You need to go deep in order for the awareness to expand. I would never have become aware of those physical sensations underneath the emotions if I had not done enough release work to get to that point. I, I used to be part of Toastmasters. And before we had a speech, I would put myself in a power position. And I remember seeing other members who were going to make a speech, they will be tapping. <laughs> What a great idea. Yeah. And it's just noticing and just remembering at that point. And there are tapping points you can do on your fingers, right? And then you can do them underneath the table. So no one actually knows that you're tapping. <laughs> And in this group that you have, have you seen people saying, oh, my God, this is amazing, and they want to continue and work even harder? So I had a friend just a few weeks ago who actually went into the hospital. She was going to have an angiogram and then possibly a stent put in or um, a bypass surgery. And they went in. She'd been tapping for days, like three, almost three days, almost continuously. And they went in and there was nothing wrong. And two doctors confirmed that, yes, there was nothing wrong. And it was probably the tapping that you did, which was in itself an amazing thing to have them agree and say, yes, it probably was that tapping that did that. Oh, really? 
They agree with that. That's awesome. Not had anyone who has actually written down all their childhood traumas and gone through it every day like I did. I've not had anyone do that. I'm comparing it with going to the gym and trying to have huge muscles. People, they all want to look healthy. They all want to look fit, but they don't want to do the work. That's what you did. <laughs> also, a lot of people who meditate every day, to me, this is more powerful than meditation. I know people who've been meditating for 20 years and still have a really busy mind. I got rid of my busy mind. I don't know. I can't remember the time frame, but within a year or two, it totally changed. To me, this is so much more powerful than meditation. So if you're considering taking up meditation, then I would highly recommend doing this instead and seeing what happens. Wow. And this group that you have is online? It is online. Yes. Yeah. But as I said, anyone could do it. All you have to do is set your timer. Tap for eight minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, and then take a break, then set it again and just do it again and again until whatever it is you're working on feels like it's just a story or it's just words. I will practice it. I will do it. I just, you just need to know exactly where to tap. Right. I do. I do have a video on my YouTube channel. I have a demonstration video of EFT and it talks about, you know, your body knows when it's letting go. It lets you know when it's letting go of tension, right? So there is feedback from the body. You might start yawning. You might sigh. People burp. There's different ways of releasing resistance in the body and it will show you that it's doing it, which is really nice. Maybe it's nicer for me, like from an engineering standpoint, I like to know when something's working. Of course, of course. I, I, for me, that's the thing that if I don't see results kind of immediate, then I give up because I, I feel like, well, is this really working? Right. And I think a lot of people have done that with EFT. They might have given up because it doesn't look like it's doing much. But when you know the signs that it's working, then you can look for those. Right. And then you can realize, OK, yep, I, re I released some resistance then because I had a yawn or tears. Tears are always a release of resistance. And I believe that all those tears that we never shed in childhood are still inside of us. And they will come out if you find a way to let them out. And EFT does that really well. Are you interested in having more people in that group? Um, possibly, if people are really dedicated to it. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have some level of dedication before you can be into that group. Absolutely, yes. And it would be good if you actually knew how to do EFT already. Uh -huh. I'm not teaching it. I do help people to maybe give them words to use because some people find it hard to actually find the words. And You know, the words to use are normally the words that you would use if you were telling someone about it, whatever it is, right? If you're telling someone how much you're hurting or how this pain, what this pain feels like or what happens, those are the words you would use when you're tapping. For example? For example, I woke up the morning of my mother's death and it was so quiet. She used to have the radio going every morning. So that morning it was really quiet and it was a little eerie. I kind of felt something must have happened because it was so quiet. I'm just saying it as if I'm saying it to a friend. I see. Okay, Anne, thank you so much for sharing this beautiful story. It was fun. I learned a lot and I love the story about your adoption. And wow, you've been to many countries. Not an easy life. It was tough. And I'm glad that you're releasing all that. You are a strong woman, resilient and persevering. Thank you. It was all supposed to happen, right? Yes, I know, I know. So this is amazing. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the great questions. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
I am Daniela, and you are listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This would allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto. Thank you.